One Hope Church. Good morning. It's a little different. We got the, the speaker, so you can listen on your radio. You can listen online. You can listen um, just in the parking lot with your windows down or sitting in your chair. And uh, you can bring your chair. We do ask you to still keep your distance. Um, and we're trying to take care of those uh, more vulnerable. So thank you for your, your efforts on that. Um, like many of you, the, our, our hearts are, are heavy this morning um, over injustice, over uh, pain, over um, understandable but bad reactions to pain under those who would seek to take advantage of pain, um, it, it's difficult now. And so I'm just going to ask this morning that we pray. I'm going to call a little bit of an audible from our, our study through the book of, of John, um, talk about a, a couple of what's going on in our, in our world, but through the lens of scripture. And so um, I'm asking you to bear with me this morning and let's go to the Lord and seek his face and ask for his help. So Heavenly Father, we come to you now. We thank you for your great love um, for us because you are you are good and you are holy and you are just. And our hearts are broken because our world has so much evil in it, so much injustice in it. And yet, Lord, we know that because of you there is hope and hope eternal and hope present for today. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us and that you care for us. And we we beg you and ask you for your help. In your name, Jesus, we ask it. Amen. So I wanted to share a, a couple things um, this morning in, in relation um, to all that is going on. Um, and I just want to start, you know, big picture foundationally. We have to, if we're going to understand what's going on in our world today, we have to understand that it's in a context. And in that first context, we find back in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And if you do not understand Genesis chapter 1 through 3, you're not going to understand in the proper context much else in our world. We have to start there. And really, in context for today, chapters 1 through 4. Because in chapters 1 and 2, we see God's creation of what we call our universe. And we see that God in His infinite love and wisdom, in the great expanse of the universe, put one little planet in exactly the right place where it could sustain human life. 
revolving not too closely to our sun or too far away from it and giving us all the elements that we would need and creating us out of nothing creating the universe out of nothing and then forming human beings in his image and if you do not have foundationally that human beings are made in the image of God then you are lost there is no hope and our entire world is lost but we see that God made us in his image in Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 verse 26 it says that God said let us make man or humans in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion verse 27 so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them because we have to understand that if we are not talking about the image of God then it really is no different if somebody kills any one of us it is, it is no different than shooting a deer in a forest if we are just accidental space dust then none of this matters so we have to start with the right lens we start back in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 with the creation of human beings and God making us in his image and making us unique and distinct from the entire rest of his creation. That's where it begins. And then chapter 3. At this point, prior to this, Lucifer had already fallen from heaven, taking a third of heaven with him. And he is allowed to tempt Adam and Eve in the garden. And we know this what happens where they fall into that temptation. And instead of taking from the tree of life, which there actually was no prohibition of taking, they instead take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and plunge the human race into sin and brokenness. And then in the very next chapter, chapter 4, Cain kills his brother, Abel. The first murder of brother on brother. And from that point forward, we have disaster. It even takes us, as we go just a little bit further, and you know, there's time has passed and the human population has exploded on the earth, but so has wickedness. So much so that God can only find one righteous man and spares him and his family. No. And then there is recreation. And that is a small synopsis of what God is going to do big picture, ultimately through Jesus. That ultimately there will be judgment and, and recreation, but those who, in Jesus, 
are in Jesus will be spared and will be part of that new recreation. And then in that sense, in that time, it will be final. And every tear will be wiped away from our eyes and there will be no more sorrow and there will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more cancer and there will be no more cancer of racism. We won't have the things that plague us now. Praise God. Praise God. But we need to understand in our human history that since what happened in Genesis and that human potential within each one for great evil is present, especially without God and the further people move away from God the more wickedness they are capable of and we have seen in our human history great wickedness in every century of human history throughout this world we have found great wickedness and many people have spent their lives searching for a utopia Searching for something here on this earth where there would be lasting peace. And folks, it is sad to say, but it has never happened. Now we aren't going to give up. We are still going to do our best to follow the commands of God. And what are the commands of God? Jesus told us. The same thing that the prophets had told us. That our mission is to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And our neighbors, folks, that includes everybody. We are to love. Jesus said, You have heard of old that you will love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, see, Jesus' standard is so great that we are even told to love those who hate us. The standard of God is high for us, folks. The standard of God is high. We need to fundamentally understand, and then again, this is big picture, that God promised to Abraham that in his seed all the families of the earth would be blessed. All the families of the earth would be blessed. See, I'm so thankful that in our understanding, and in, well, not in our understanding, just in what the Bible says, because this people have misunderstood and misinterpreted and misused and ignored what the Bible has said. But from what the Bible has said, that God's plan, from when he made all the different ethnicities, and when he made all the different languages, and he made all the different people groups, and he made all the different families of the earth, his plan from the beginning was that each family would be redeemed ultimately in the name of Jesus. That in his seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed, without exception.
that is also fundamental to our understanding. That those who know Jesus call on one Savior and Lord and there is no superiority of one over another. That we are all on equal footing. Before God. That in our humanity as humans we are equal before God. And certainly, though all who call on his name, who are followers of Jesus, are equal before God. That in God's family, no one is higher or lower based on the color of their skin, or the language they speak, or the culture that they have. The book of Genesis is fundamental to our understanding of this. And if you don't, again, if we don't understand the book of Genesis, it's hard to make sense of all the rest of it. It's hard to make sense of all the rest of your your place in this world before God. We need to understand that God has made us in his image, but every last one of us is broken and in need of a savior and in need of a true and good king. So what we've seen happen in many ways is not surprising. Because as Dallas Willard informs us what we call what we call civilization is a smoldering heap ready to burst into flame at any time. As Arthur Glasser reminds us that if it was not for the common grace of God, the human race would have long since destroyed itself. Folks, we... Ultimately, there are only two types of people in this world. Those with Jesus and those without Jesus. And our expectation for those without Jesus, folks, we should not expect people without Jesus to act as if they have Jesus. We should not expect folks that do not have Jesus to act with the love, the peace, the calm, the self-restraint, That God expects those with Jesus to have. Jesus is the one we need. Jesus is the solution to our great sin problem. Jesus is the solution to hatred, to any feelings of racial superiority, to any false idolatry, to ideologies of racial superiority. Jesus is the answer. And I want to make something very, very clear. 
being a follower of Jesus and being racist are totally incompatible. Those things cannot live in the same place. Cannot be in the same heart. Certainly not over time. See, if, it, if Jesus is really in that heart, Jesus is going to change that heart. Do we understand that? Jesus is going to change that heart. Now, not everything in the, is going to change in a person the moment they they you know fall on their knees before God and say, "Lord, save me! I'm a sinner." But there is a fundamental change, and that heart then does become soft and teachable. And we should expect to see radical change, and we should expect to see hatred leave, and we should expect any thoughts of racial superiority to go. Because the Word of God says, how can you love God whom you haven't seen if you cannot love your brother who you have seen? See, that's the Scripture. And we, we do not help people by giving anybody an easy pass on, well, it's okay because of your, because of your culture. We understand why you think the way you think and why your heart is the way your heart. Because of the environment you grow, grew up in. That's bull. Because Jesus changes hearts. And if the heart hasn't changed, then Jesus isn't there. No racist should be able to claim that they are a follower of Jesus. Because it's incompatible with the heart of Jesus. We don't do anybody any favors if we tell people that they can have Jesus and then not change. That they can continue on as they were. And that that's okay. No, folks, that isn't okay. But also understand this. You know, because a lot of people, especially if you don't have any problem with racism, if you're not racist, you're like, preach on. That's right. Well, that's what God wants to do with every sin in our hearts, is to eliminate it. So there we also have to look in the mirror. Because it's easy to point out the obvious in others. But what about what's in our own hearts? Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. See, because he's the truth, he's going to reveal truth. And he's going to reveal truth, and then he gives you the power and the ability to follow and live in his truth. If he's actually your Savior and King. He'll do all that. But we also have to be open, and we have to say, Lord... I understand that I wasn't born in a vacuum and I didn't come to know you just in a vacuum. I came to know you in a culture and I came to know you already with a mind and a heart 
full of bad ideas. I came to know you in a culture that is warped. In a culture that has denied you. And Lord, it has influenced me. And I need your help because I need to see as you see. And I need to know truth as you know truth. We also understand in the bigger context, folks, that we have to understand that we, our biggest enemy is not another person or another people group or anything of the such. The scripture says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6. This is so relative for this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Do we get that? So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to be able to stand against the tricks of the devil or the devil's schemes. Have you all happened to notice a pattern, folks? When it comes to what's transpired in our nation in recent days, that these things tend to happen not in like one incident and then a time passes, but they tend to come in clusters of three or four. And then it's it's after the third or fourth one that we see things start to burn. There is a pattern to that. The devil is behind that. It clusters because we have a real enemy with his schemes. And his scheme, ultimate scheme, is to divide. Do we understand that? The ultimate tool of the devil is division. So where does that start? The enemy seeks to divide within a family. Husband against wife. Wife against husband. Children against parents. Parents against children. The enemy seeks to put those dividing wedges in there. That's at the fundamental building block of humanity where the enemy starts. That's point one of division. Then, any other place that can be exploited for division. I mean, just understand even this. You see, in the biblical understanding of of the human race, there is one human race. And when you cut us, it doesn't matter the color of our skin. We all bleed red. We are one human race. And in that human race, 
we do have ethnicities, the families of the earth. And sometimes that ethnicity is largely in a nation by itself, and sometimes that nation, a nation is made up of multiple ethnicities. And in a nation like ours, we have hundreds. Praise God for that. You see, that should be a blessing. To see the beauty and wonder of God's creation. But humans in sin will fall for the enemy's trick and make it a curse. Will turn a blessing into a curse. So we have to understand that it is the enemy who is behind these things, and the enemy seeks to divide and to destroy. The enemy doesn't care how destruction takes place as long as it takes place. By whatever means necessary, the enemy seeks destruction, and the enemy has found over thousands of years of human history that the most effective method is division. So it doesn't matter if it's a family, if it's a church, if it's a nation, if it's different nations, the enemy seeks to do one thing, and that is to divide. Because with division comes destruction. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand it in the evil day and having done all to stand. Those of us who are followers of Jesus are the ones who can bring hope But how do we go about doing that? Well, God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. See, the enemy seeks to divide, and because the enemy seeks to divide, God gives us a ministry of reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5, beginning verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now we, now that we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading us, we implore, we beg you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So God has given us a ministry of reconciliation, and that ministry starts in helping people to be reconciled with God. If you have been reconciled with God, you have been made a new creation. 
you now have a ministry of reconciliation and your mission in life is to be to reconcile people with their creator. We do that through the message of Jesus Christ and the hope that is in him. And then that will also have a powerful effect of change. Because as people become new creations, their hatred leaves, their feelings of superiority or feelings of inferiority leave. God reconciles and redeems and makes new. And so then we can see in a new way, through a new lens. And we can see each other as God sees us. And therefore love one another in the love and power of God. You see, in these sort of situations, what people a lot of times want to do is they want to say, well, we'll just get people to get along. But folks, there's a process. And the first part of the process is to be reconciled to God. So then we actually have the the place, the new creation, the power, and the love of God from which to be able to love our neighbors as ourselves. Without it, we're trying to do things, people are trying to do things they don't have the power to do. And that is why when we make gains, they seem to be so temporary. Because they lack the lasting power of changed hearts and minds and the power of God. See, we need to have a bigger goal than just changing behavior in the short term. We need to see the change of the heart over the long term. That's so much more powerful. The change of the heart over the long term instead of the change of behavior in the short term. See, you can train the behavior for the mouth not to say racist words but still have a racist heart. But a heart that's been free from racism, the mouth will just follow the redeemed heart. See the difference? Training the heart, changing the heart, is so much better than just changing the sort of language that comes out of people's mouths. The enemy seeks to divide. We have to be wise enough, people, understand his schemes and then actively fight against it. 
I've had some conversations that have been meaningful to me this week. Yesterday, uh, a friend of mine, Thomas Simons, he, he called me, and we talked for about an hour and a half about all of this. And we're actually planning on, on having a conversation this week um, that we'll record and then and then try to share online. And if you have questions, please send them so we can um, try to answer honestly from from different experiences in life. But hopefully, just with the truth of God's word. Um, but we were talking and. and he helped me in some ways because I can get frustrated. You know, I, I can get frustrated when it, it seems like we should have gotten to where we are uh, in terms of people in majority position, you know, speaking out. And I, and I get frustrated because I, I know that that's not near enough. And he said he's, you know, just that he was thankful because, you know, it's a step. And so I need to remember that, that it's steps. Because, folks, it's important that we let people know where we stand. But it has to be more than just signaling the right virtues or what the world at a particular point in time in history says the right virtues are. And it comes to there are there are are big things at play, but for the average person who isn't in the in the position to set cultural norms or to you know write laws or or things like that what do you do and there is an answer to that there's the 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 fundamental the fundamental thing the first fundamental thing is love but then there has to be a practical application of that love, and that's just what we call friendship. To be friends with people who come from different a different background, a different place, a different ethnicity, a different skin color, a different culture, a different language, whatever it is, that it, it, it different. And this even goes within an ethnicity. Different. I hope that you have that your friends, you know, wherever you're, you are listening to this, that your friends don't all line up in one economic band. That you have friends in different economic bands. It's about friendship. And there's that old phrase birds of a feather flock together. And I think that as a church, 
the followers of Jesus, we have to we can't we can't just go with that phrase, birds of a feather flock together. We have to say, followers of Jesus intend and do things differently. And appreciate a lot of variety in the feathers. That's how we make change. See, because outside of that, it can easily just become theoretical. Of this is what we should do, or what our world should look like. And we have to go well beyond theoretical, and we have to be practical. And that at its most fundamental, basic, practical deal that we make. is to actually practically love our neighbors. And in order to do that, we have to know our neighbors. So may God help us to do that. I'm going to, I need to wrap up. I'm going to wrap up with one last thing on this issue. And understand, folks, that in this message, I am not, it is not enough time to talk about all the different layers of the onion. There's a lot here. We, in our nation, we have, we don't just have ethnicity problems, we have power problems, we have, we have a lot of different types of problems. Don't oversimplify things, but yet look for simple, practical solutions that you can actually be, be enacted, that you can do to make a difference. But the last thing we have to say here, and this is really important, in in many places, I think Athens is one of these places where there's there's two types of racism, but one is more dominant here. See, there's a type of racism that is an obvious racism. You know, people put on a a white sheet. And a white hood over their heads. Like, we know what that is, right? That is just awful, evil racism, and it's really easy to identify. But there is also a much more subtle and probably much more dangerous racism. And it comes from those who are supposedly there to help. But that racism basically just says, we don't believe that you can on your own, so we have to come, we have to do X, Y, and Z for you. But it comes, 
however insidiously, however known or unknown in the individual or groups, mind, collective mind and heart, it, it comes from a racist place because it comes from a place of superiority, of superior feelings. Because there's another thing that we have in the entire narrative of the scripture and that is that human beings can do everything that God has enabled them and given them the power to be able to do. And while he made us different, he did not Give, he certainly did not give any unequal capacity in matters of the mind or matters of moral ability. And I have seen it, I have particularly seen it in the volunteer work I, I do in our school systems school system as a whole but we have a lot of well intentioned at least they will say so people hurting more than helping because they do not have the hope of the full capacity of the human beings that they are supposedly trying to help. We believe in the full potential of each person. The common grace that has been given to each one and the capacity that has been given to each one. We believe in that. And we believe in the unbounded full potential of every human being in Jesus. Regardless of their background, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of the color of the skin or the language they speak. And that has to be a fundamental change and a fundamental understanding on the side of all who claim to be ones who want to help make something better. We are to be the people of hope. We are the people of hope. We are to be the people of hope who see the silver lining and the dark clouds. Because we have the greatest hope of all. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I have... 
we have black brothers and sisters who are hurting and who are in pain. And yet the hope of Jesus is real. And we have white brothers and sisters who say, I've done all I can do and I'm still being called a racist and I don't understand and don't lose hope. And don't stop doing good. Because Jesus had made promises, the scripture makes promises to us. That our good will not return void. So our hope is a sure hope. And the promises of God are sure promises. And at the fundamental core, our problem is not intellectual, it is spiritual. And spiritual problems demand a spiritual answer. Spiritual problems demand a spiritual answer. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus, we come to you, we beg you for your help. Help us to be unashamed of your gospel. Help us to be unashamed and shout it from the rooftops and the mountaintops and the streets that Jesus, you are Savior. And you offer hope to broken people in a fallen world. That Jesus, you are the answer. As we take bread and cup this morning, whether it's in our cars or in our homes, Lord, I'm just thankful that there are people all over the world today, on this Lord's day. So many different colors and languages so many different families of the earth that are taking that bread because Jesus you are one bread and they are taking that cup because Jesus you are one cup and you went to that cross for us we're part of that human race that you came to seek to redeem and so Lord Jesus help us we pray help us to be faithful to your gospel convict of sin even sin in our own hearts move us and change us we pray Lord Jesus in your name, for your glory. Amen.